If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. What's up, buddy? Buddy, it is late night on Saturday after a long, fun-filled day of college football where we see the Hokies take a win 38-31 over Duke. Uh, Did you have some Maylocks during that game? Man, my anxiety was running like full bore that whole game, dude. And, you know, we we got the word as as things were getting close to kickoff. We're like, okay, well, we knew that probably the secondary was going to be thinner than it was last week and thinner than we would want. And uh, that was confirmed. Uh, 20, 21 players out. Um, how many starters, Curtis? Give us the rundown here. Oh, God. All right. Well, let me just give you the names of the primary contributors. 21 out total, including starting free safety, Devon Diablo. Backup, boundary safe, boundary safety, J.R. Walker. Two deep cornerback, Devin Taylor. Starting cornerback, Armani Chapman. Starting cornerback, Jermaine Waller. Starting backer, Alan Tisdale, and another, I'm going to consider Brian Murray, another starting cornerback out. You say, we, we thought in the week there would be a few guys. Yeah. Yep. Th- this isn't even thin. This is, it's our, gone. It's our it, four best, four best cornerbacks are not in, not playing. Four best cornerbacks and basically the safety depth with the exception of Keonta Jenkins and Tyree Rogers gone. Um, on top of that, we already knew Jay Ham was going to be out, and then we find out Ryan Smith is out. So the guy who's the defensive coordinator isn't there. We knew that, luckily. The yeah. guy who called one hell of a game last weekend against NC State, not there. So who called the game, Curtis? Um, um, the report was we did it by committee between Jack Tyler and Tracy Clays. And it's just like as we're sitting going up through the week, you know, we read things and we're seeing, okay, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be some different things. When that stuff came out and that stuff came out as I got home from playing golf today and I started looking and I was just like, This, this isn't good. And I know we, we highlighted some of Duke's flaws, but when you take a whole back in and you're throwing these young guys, we, we you like their tape, Dorian Strong and Deer Thompson. Good young players starting. Yeah. Oh, it's scary. And you're talking about guys. These are those names way down the list. Kendra Banks, Hunter Green, never heard of them. Um, Tyler Matheny started at free safety. Keonta obviously there last week at, at boundary safety. Um, I mean, it was just wow. And, man, as as the game got into it, it's I, I had no clue what to expect. And Brian, you know, what we're going to do here in the next little while is just kind of run down a little bit of everything. And uh, I'm going to let you gear that, man, because I feel like there's some things you want to talk about being sort of our expert here. And I'm going to fill in with some stuff I've got. But what do you want to kick it off with? 
we're going to kick it off with the offense because I, there, there was a lot going on with that in this game. Um, I know we talked about the defense and all the starters that are out. We're going to get to that. But, I mean, the tail of the game is kind of how the offense looked in the first half and how the offense looked in the second half. It looks sluggish coming out. It yeah, looks, it looks real sluggish coming out. Um, looks like we just never got into a good rhythm pretty much the whole first half. Um, you know, play calling was a little suspect. Um, <laughs> right out the, right out the gate, you know, we, we were running a lot of outside zone to the short side of the field, which, right, <sighs> you know, you shake your head at. You're like, okay, well. You know, you got you got these guys that can get to the edge, but you're sh- you're shortening where that edge is. You're shortening where that running alley is going to be. And, and, and something, Brian, you've always told me is executing that short side run play. It, it's difficult for the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, if you're if you're a tackle and you're trying to get to that edge and 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 try to drive your man upfield, but also get make sure you can wall him off. If you make that shorter, it makes that running alley that much smaller and the margin for error that much smaller. And at some point, that gives safeties more time to come up and make plays, um, you know, make some fills outside the tackles there. So it's it, it's just it's not a good situation when you see that many calls. And um, we had a lot of those stacked together with a lot of fades. So a lot of stuff outside the numbers, outside the hashes in the first half shots downfield. Um, nothing really in the, in the intermediate zone to kind of make them no. you know, you know, play all areas of the field there. So they were pretty much content playing kind of a cover three on us and, um, you know, let us take the shots and then stack the box with eight guys and, and try to stop the run in the first half. And they were, they had some success with it, man. They did. Um, I mean, I yeah, I'll let you go a little bit here. Yeah. Well, I feel like the downfield shots were just very inopportune times. I mean, we, we take a look, the first play of the game is a deep shot and Tavion drops it. So it, you feel like that's a good call, but it's one of those things. All right. You, you already know you're thin in the defense. If you hit it great, but Hey, now you're second and 10. What happens that first drive run? We drop the deep ball, we run a short side run, and we lose yardage, and we have to punt. Yep. So it's just one of those things where it's just like we missed two passes, and the next thing you know, after a good defensive series, we're giving the ball right back. But it, it, it baffles me, and I know you're going to hit both halves, but we don't see crossers, we don't see drags, we don't see hooking up because the one thing I've noticed – is they were loading the box. Yeah. Now, as, as you'll say in a little while here, eventually it started not working. But uh, those downfield shots, uh, it just it, it drives me a little mad sometimes. I agree, man. And you know, I I don't mind taking a shot here or there. You definitely want to. Um, Braxton Burmeister throws a good deep ball. He does not huh? have the arm strength that our other two quarterbacks have, nope. but. When he throws it on time, it's it's a pretty ball. Yep. Um, so I have no problem with with the shots, I, and I like the idea. But I just feel like the play calling flow wasn't there. Like those those plays didn't really make sense in a cohesive fashion of trying to like set something up with the defense. That and I think Burmeister missed a couple of easy throws after that that big drop early on. Um, so he had a, he had a, he had a pretty good throw. It was a little underthrown to, uh, to Tavion Robinson. And then, um, you know, as he's getting both hands on it, defender comes in, knocks the ball down there. And then after that, it seemed like he just didn't, he lost a little bit of confidence with, uh, with throwing things that weren't just kind of those, those shoulder fades. And, uh, and and we struggled past the ball most of the game, but also, especially in the first half, trying to get some, some plays down the field. Oh yeah. I I mean, I noticed it was, I mean, all throughout the first half, I've got, I just called that bad pass, not a good pass, bad pass. So it, it really stinks that that happened. And I mean, the, 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 it's in the numbers. I mean, Braxton was under 50% last week. He was well under 50% this week. And it shows that he is – he's not the passer. His legs are great, 
Um, but it's just kind of showing he's not the passer and and yeah, and and it's more efficiency than it is necessarily him not being able to get the ball out there. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't mind the incomplete. I mean, incompletions are going to come, especially if you're taking shots like that. But it seemed like he let you know a play here affect him later in the drive or later later in the game. So. Um, he eventually settled in a little bit, even though the passing never really picked up. I, it, nope. it did look like his confidence got better, nope. where it felt like he was wasn't overthinking it, if that makes nope. sense. Because um, there was a portion in the first half there where he looked like he was thinking about every throw, and that's not something you want to do. No, not at all, not at all, Brian. So, I mean, I'm going to give this. I mean, kudos to Duke. They did put some tight coverage on our guys, um, especially some of those some of those fades. I mean, even. When there was a good ball, they had guys there to to, to knock it down, just like with uh, with Tavion Robinson on that first deep one. Um, you know, we eventually got a couple one where uh, on the first touchdown drive, uh, Tavion Robinson stepped up again after um, a couple negative plays for him and made a big play down the sideline, and then we were able to hit um, Mitchell over the uh, over the middle there for a touchdown. Right up the scene, right up the middle of the field. Yes, and and let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, we got a touchdown on that drive, and it was on a it was, it was a fifteen yard seam for the touchdown. And I'm yep. wondering to myself, why aren't we doing that more? Um, I feel like the middle of the field is something that we just do not attack enough. Um, and, and when we do attack it, it's pretty, it's very like RPO, like either, a, you know, a quick, yep. quick slant or something like that in the RPO. We don't do a whole, a, a very good job of attacking that like 10 to 20 yard range of the field, um, you know, with a seam, with a dig and, and, and things that can really, you know, mess with the linebackers. And especially with our running game operating as well as it is like, why aren't we doing things that are going to make the linebackers have to pick their poison? Well, exactly. And, and, and I mentioned earlier we saw more loading of the box this week than we did against NC State. Obviously, it's the four-man front versus the three-man front. But the piece about not attacking the middle of the field, it's just like you start doing a lot of things when you start attacking the middle of the field. A, the safeties who are coming further up will have to go further back. Easier run lane. Yep. The corners – they can't – the leverage, they have to guess on leverage, right? They can't yeah. just immediately – what we were doing is they easily get that outside leverage and just run them out of bounds. There were some good passes, as you mentioned, but essentially the balls had to be thrown out of bounds because of how those guys leveraged. But what really pisses me off about Brad Cornelson, and I'm going to put the blame on him because he is the offensive coordinator. Some people will say, well, you know, who's the – no, Brad Cornelson's the offensive coordinator. We have guys on this team that if we were to be consistently getting in space in the middle of the field, it would be really good. And to your point, I think Brad has his Excel spreadsheet, and right now he's deleted those pages concerning the middle of the field. (laughs) (laughs) He lost the pages that had the – the seams and the digs and all those crossers that we love yeah. to, to watch come to fruition on tape. And then, Hey, we're not seeing it cause they're not calling it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Um, but again, I'm going to give a little kudos to Duke. They did a good job of, of scheming us up and, and kind of taking away in, in the passing game. Some of the things we like to do um, early on. Um, but I did like, as as the the first half wore on, we started to adjust to that what the defensive front was throwing at us, so we could get some things going in the running game. Yeah. Um, particularly some of the things we were doing with motion to kind of get our numbers better, um, so we could attack them inside the tackles, and then work in the outside zone. And I will say, man, I mean, we, we said it last week. I'm gonna say it again. Herbert getting to the edge. I mean, I didn't think he was as fast as he is getting to the edge. And a couple times I thought, you know, the defender that was setting the edge had him flanked and he was still able to get there and then get upfield. And he's a guy that does not go out of bounds. 
Um, you see a couple uh-huh. times he had an alley out of bounds and he would like put his foot in the dirt, cut back inside and get another five or six yards. Exactly. And did he have a day to day, man, 358 all purpose yards, two touchdowns. And there were pieces where when he got the ball, especially, I know you're talking first half, but as we got to the end of the first half, he was getting the ball and he was getting upfield. Yeah. I'm, you're going to hit it more in the, in the second half. It, it, it got wild, but I mean, he, he's, he's a real deal. And Blackshear looked better today. It's it kind of coming together there. Yeah, Blackshear did look better. I think they had him more involved in the game plan. They ran some more um, more 21 personnel this week than they did last week, especially in the first half. Um, I think we need to do a better job of getting Blackshear going in the passing game. I don't think he had a single target today in the passing game. Uh, if he did, I might have missed it. Um, but he did a good job in the running game, and they did a good job of getting him the ball where he could kind of work um, in, in space a little bit in the running game there. So I liked what they did with him, but I mean, Herbert is just, he's a full band out there. Um, yeah. I said last week, we got lead back potential. I'm going to go ahead and say it. He's the fucking lead back. He is a lead back. And, and he, and he's the guy that can carry the load. He can make the big play. He can, he's, he's, he's the do it all guy. Um, what I also liked, and it was in, I saw it in the first half. I saw it more in the second half. Wide receiver blocking was really good this week. Yeah. Because when he got those edges, he had some room to work. When uh, when Burmeister was running some of those outside zones and sweeps, um, he had guys up in the second level that were wide receivers making some plays. I'm going to call out in particular Caleb Smith and Trey Turner. I saw them doing some really good stuff blocking at the wide receiver position. So shout out there. Um, but, I mean – bad first half. I mean, probably as bad as I could expect it from an offensive perspective in the first half. Go to halftime up 10-7. Yeah. All right. We saw that from the offense. Defense obviously had a pretty good first half. Um, You know, basically defense shut them out. So what did you see from the defense in the first half? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to say just, just, I mean, I think this is obvious, but kudos all around to the guys that had to step up that oh my God, yeah. maybe either weren't expecting to play at all or weren't expecting to play as much as they did this week and just went out there and, and did their thing. Um, particular shout out to uh, Dorian Strong. I think he had a really good game. Um, never was out of position. So I think that that's the big thing you like to see for, for guys. Um, yeah. That guys that young and, and guys that hadn't had a lot of playing experience, you know, some of the other things are going to come with time, you know, the playmaking and things like that. But if you put yourself in a spot to make the play every time, you're doing good something. things are going to happen, man. Yeah. Because even if, if even if you don't make the play, you're impacting the play and potentially somebody else can come in there and clean things up for you. So if you're in the right spot, that that's half the damn battle right there. And, mm-hmm. and, and they were there the whole night and, and occasionally they made a couple, a couple plays there. Um, I'm going to give a, another shout-out to this man, Tyler Matheny. He had himself a day. You know, we, we talked about last week what Keontae Jenkins was able to do in his first start. Well, Tyler Matheny had his first start this week, and holy man, he he let everybody know that, yeah, he's probably not going to be your front-line guy, but he's a guy that can come in there, you know, if, if Devon Diablo has another, another time where he has to miss – um, miss time and come in there and, and fill in admirably um, for a game or two. Um, he's a guy that came up, made some really good plays in the run game um, to stop them. Some of those uh, outside runs and some of the runs up the middle where um, maybe we were out of position along the front seven. He was able to come up and, and, and help in run support. And then he had a, an interception there. Um, so that, that really kind of set us up uh but, but it set us up big, but the tip ball piece, again, it goes back to what you talked about with Dorian. He was in the right spot. Yep. He was, he was middle, he was middle of the field and that covered three. The ball gets tipped. He's not, he's not over here. He's not over there. He's exactly where he's supposed to be. When that ball got tipped, all he had to do was kind of just 
couple steps up, jump, make the catch. Yep. I, I think it was actually Jenkins that was in, in man on that. He had a little bit of a little trail technique and, yep. you know, Matheny was playing over the top, saw the throw. Receiver wasn't able to handle it. Matheny stepped up, make the play right where he needed to be. And, again, that's unbelievable. And I think we've been talking about some of the coaching staff changes all the time. Kind of you're, you're maybe we're seeing in year two of Justin Hamilton at the safety position, really getting his footing. Also give Ryan Smith, because Ryan Smith clearly up until the latter half of this week, he was the guy more on field with them. And we're seeing it. We're seeing more discipline. We're, we're seeing guys stay in their right lanes. We're seeing guys leverage right. And that is, that's big because I feel like maybe over the last few years we hadn't seen it as crisp. Um, yeah. Maybe my eyes hadn't seen it. Maybe, maybe professionalized, like, I, and I do consider you professional, Brian. Say, no, no, we were doing the right things. Okay. Well, it's it, different to me now. But, uh, Brian, something else I noticed today, Alan Tisdale was out. Noticed it some in the first half, a little more in the second. Um, love Dax to death, but against an offense like this, this is where you need Tisdale and his range. Um, there were times where Dax was essentially over in the slot, the way they had the alignment. Yeah, shouldn't be out there, and 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 they 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 made it pay a few times. Yeah, I mean if if you've got Dax matched matched up either man to man or in a kind of a primary zone responsibility against a guy like gray and a guy like Marweedy, they're going to eat his lunch a little bit just because he's not that guy that can run with those type of athletic tight ends. So that happened a couple times, but I mean, overall the, the defense played very well in the first half. Uh, Duke really wasn't able to sustain the drive. The only touchdown they had was off a muff punt that was um, picked up in the end zone. So you know, I'd say overall a great, great first half. I think uh, some standout players in the first half that I'm going to shout out here a little bit. Belmar, yeah, he had himself a very good first half. He was coming off the edge strong. I think he had he had at least one sack. I think he might have had two. Um, Justice Reed was out there impacting everything, um, pushing the pocket, making Bryce throw before he was ready, which I think overall was our 100% our game plan coming into this thing. And Curtis, we talked about it with, with the blitzes last week. So we had delayed blitzes last week. What do we not have this week? We didn't have the delayed blitzes, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, and, and essentially as the time went on with not seeing the delayed blitzes, Duke in the second half, they started slowly figuring out when we were coming and they were feeding gray. Um, now, I, I, me and you talked about it in those delay in the blitz scenarios. When we blitzed, essentially they never got any big gains because it looked like behind the blitzes we were running cover three, cover four, where there were going to be guys behind. Yeah. Um, which I'm really thinking probably that was in there by Tracy and Jack to say, hey, a to help those guys. Hey, listen, you're going to be 15 yards off. We blitz. Head down, look where the ball goes, go through the ball, make the tackle. Um, but once again, Brian, talk about the blitzes. Let's um, let's get into the second half because there's one thing we mentioned it as we were chatting and getting ready to roll on here. I wrote this down eloquently here in my book. Fuck short side runs. Utilize our speed. <laughs> as you looked at the second half, what did we start doing? Uh, we went away from those short side zones on offense, man. We we started to run to the wide side. We started to get Herbert out on the edge. We started to get Blackshear out on the edge and let them take advantage of things in space. And once we started doing that, the offense had a whole lot more rhythm, even when we weren't able to hit some of the passes downfield that we were attempting. But you know, and the big reason why is that because we were able to get some effective yardage on first and second down. So even when we got into third down situations, it was manageable. And sometimes even when we got into third and long situations, you know, sometimes you go with that, uh, 
you know, that's that simple play just to get a few yards and punt. And all of a sudden Herbert gets an edge and gets upfield and he gets a 20 yard gain on third and 16 and the drive stays alive and you get to keep rolling there. So good things happen when you're able to run the ball and run it to the, to the area that lets you take advantage of the space you have. And space was a big thing in this game. And especially in the second half, because we started doing some things with how we were motioning guys, in and out of the backfield and across the the line of the uh, the formation um, that really got some of those backers outside of the box and some of those safeties outside of the box where we could really tear them up between the tackles a lot more and we saw that wear them down as well. Um, inside zone was a lot stronger in the second half. Some of the traps and bases and things like that were a lot better in the second half. Quarterback counter. This play I loved, man. I don't know if, if you saw it, but yeah. we, we showed outside zone. With Blackshear, right? Yeah, showed outside zone with Blackshear and then ran uh, Burmeister in the other direction uh, with uh, Christian Darisaw leading out in front. And that that was a thing of beauty, man. I really love that play. I hope he run that a lot more. Oh, um, I say something about that play? Yeah. The athleticism of Christian Darisaw. Oh, yeah. My Absolutely. God. For him to cross like that, man, it will. And I remember the play you're talking about because when I saw you see Christian, you see Big 77 going, it's just like, that might have made Chris a little money. <laughs> hey, Brian. Yeah. Chris showing he can get out there and make some plays. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big time thing there, man. And I like, I just loved as much as I shit on what Brad did in the first half. He got into a little bit of a zone in the second half with his play calling. Um, even there was only one drive that I, I will be really critical of him on is that, you know, we, we were moving the ball good through the ground and he comes out, uh, play action pass, pass, and then we're third and long. <laughs> and I'm like, so, so we've had two, two straight drives where we just pound, 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 pound. And now you're coming out play action pass and pass right out the get like, you know, read the room, read the room. We're, we're, we're dominating them in the trenches right now. Let's not take the foot off the pedal there. Let's keep, keep going at them. And I, you know, I think we did a great job in the second half other than that one drive of, of really moving the ball and, and being consistent in the, in the run game. Yeah. Well, Brian, I think one thing too, he probably still wanted to try to keep the ball passing is because the line had some great protection today. We mentioned that in the, uh, in the cut of the, uh, know your enemy show. We only allowed two sacks, um, today. So clearly we were doing a lot of stuff right there. Not a lot of tackles for loss from them. Um, um, and as you talked about the whole, he screwed up going the passes because there was that point in the third quarter where it was, what, six or seven consecutive run plays, and it was gashes. Yeah. And it was – so to the point is I think maybe he just felt like I, I've got a pass. They're eventually going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna find out. And But it's like on the other hand, you did at one point run it seven straight times, so why even consider passing? Well, well I, have no, I have no problem with the – with the play action pass, but you don't stack those two plays back to back on first and second and then put the yourself behind says, the downs. The Excel sheet says you do, Brian. <laughs> uh, In Excel, I, we trust. In Excel, we trust. Can I tell you something I've noticed? And maybe you noticed it during the game. Maybe you didn't. I feel like Braxton Burmeister is starting to get into a Ron Willis territory of who his favorite targets are. I feel like he looks like he targets – Big Stone Gap, James Mitchell, and Tavion, a lot more than Trey, a lot more than you guys, and less specifically called screen passes, not looking for the running backs as much, similar to what Willis did with Hazleton. Completely opposite of what we saw from Hendon last year, where Hendon, open man will get the ball. Don't care who you are. I don't have a favorite target. And that worries me if he's going to be the guy going forward. Yeah, I think they're still at a point with Burmeister in the passing game where he is if if the first read isn't there, it's like first read, check down, run. There's not a whole lot of moving away from that. And I think I'll I'll say this in his favor. We did a lot of uh 
a lot of the plays called tonight were like two man routes. So there wasn't a lot of options there if the primary guy wasn't open or if, if you felt like you had to move away from the primary guy. So I'll give him a little bit of, of credit there. There wasn't a whole lot of progression or reading the whole field or anything like that because there was only two routes. And a lot of times they did a decent job of taking away both of them, or at least the, the one that he wanted to throw. So um, I think some of that is his, his maturity at this point. I don't, I'm not sure if he's ready to, handle some of those more exotic routes that we have in our playbook. Um, yeah, but that, that, that we'll talk about that probably a little bit more as, as we get kind of to the end of the game and what we kind of expect going forward. But, you know, in general, the play calling never got uh, Braxton in a rhythm in the passing game. Like he never, I don't think at any point he felt confident, but I think in the second half, he at least was, in the second half, he felt like he was at least kind of a 50-50 when he put the ball up there. And and I think that was enough um, in this game, thankfully. Um, now, I will say while we're on the Braxton Burmeister piece here, you know, we had some really good drives in the second half, but we had one where we could have potentially put some really good uh, cushion late in the game. Um, it would have been the hammer. Yeah. And, and we, and we, and he pulled the ball late. Uh, you know, it looked like Blackshear was going to take the outside zone there. And Braxton really late in the, uh, in the mesh point there decided he was going to, he was going to keep it and go to the right. And you know, the ball just kind of squirted out. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, D. Mukasey jumps on it for Duke. And, you know, you, you kind of get that that bad feeling in your, in your chest when that happens, because it was late in the game. We were up three, we were knocking on the door and all of a sudden they got the ball again. Yeah. And that was in a, in a span where Duke had really started to move the ball against our tired secondary. So you started to get a little, little antsy at that point. So uh, it wasn't great right then. It wasn't great. It, I mean, I, I, I made a note here with that. It was a bad snap. It was high. And in that case, I think Braxton never thought as soon as that thing was high, it should have just get it in to Blackshear's gut. You either put it in his gut, or if you can't get it in his gut, you don't even carry out the fake. You just go ahead and make your you play. Straight up, yeah. You just run the uh, you just run the second part of the read option. And he didn't late pull, as you already said. And I mean, at that point in time, and it would be the last one. We lose the turnover battle three to one, and we'd already. Where we were, that was going to be three points regardless. The way we were running the ball, we took seven more points off the board. And if anything from this game, I think guys will not be happy with turnovers. If I know coach don't like them. So I have a feeling the guys might be running some gassers on Monday for those um, three turnovers because the Braxton interception was absolutely brutal in the first half. And then that play um, – so, and, and another thing, it's going to go back a couple. Okay. You know, do this. Uh-oh. So freaking pissed. We're at the three yard line, first and goal. Brian, why doesn't Quincy Patterson come in? After the first play, we get stonewalled. We don't put him in. Yes, a couple plays later, Braxton scores on an outside little run. Great. I'm getting more and more angry at this. When you have a weapon of his type, use him. You also, great. Okay, you don't want to run the ball? Put him in there. Let them load the box. You know he can throw a very nice short fade route. Yeah. Getting irritating to the point of, again, you called, you said he called a better second half. It's like, it's the consistency that, it's consistency. Yeah, I agree. And, and like I said, he did call a better second half, but he had probably a, an area here, area there, where you're just shaking your head like, why, 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 why? Like, you know, sometimes it's a it's a personnel. Like, you know, you've got a, a series of plays where you got Blackshear in on the field, but you keep running, you know, short side outside zone. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, but it's like there's no flexibility in his adjustment. Not yeah. until you get 
into the halftime room, which when you that's when you probably think Fuente probably has more of a hand in what he wants to do. Um, something else I noticed. I know I'm I'm kind of just interjecting pieces here and there, Brian. We have another guy now that has proven. I know it's only one time, <laughs> only one time, but another guy from slot showing Caleb Smith running that jet sweep. We got about a 12 yard gain. Um, and once again, that helped you talk about the motions and stuff. Well, now that Caleb Smith's in the slot, okay, well, what if he runs a jet sweep? Teams immediately have to start thinking about it, right? Yeah, and we only want, ran, what, maybe three of those in this entire game? Uh, if you count the double reverse, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, huh, we did not run any jet sweeps. Yeah, so that, I mean, this is a game, and I think some of that is their defensive ends getting upfield. They might have seen, hey – we're not going to have a ton of opportunities with the way these guys get upfield. Um, you know, might maybe too much penetration. Don't want to take, you know, those four or five yard losses that people just bitch about when they talk about the jet sweep. So that's probably something to do with it, man. But, you know, as, as bad as some part of the parts of this game were, the way we closed this thing out on that last drive was a thing of beauty, man. Um, we had Khalil Herbert, Inside zone, gets the second level, gets takes it outside, gets up the sideline, outruns everybody, touchdown. And, I mean, that that was one of those things that we haven't seen from this offense no. in a long time, plays like that. Like, that's been what's been missing 100% was a guy that once he gets to the second level mm-hmm. has that home run potential. And, uh, you know, having that back in our repertoire is going to make this offense really dangerous. If we ever get the passing game going with any, any sort of competency. Absolutely. Brian. Well, Brian, we ended up getting almost 50% on third down conversion. It started off bad. And then 26 total first downs. Again, we actually beat the Duke average, but Brian, let's turn it back over to the defense in the second half. Sure. Um, Let's, let's, let's get there because I, I think you mentioned him in the first half. You mentioned Belmar. This defensive line in general is different, and it's no doubt Bill Tyrolnick, Daryl Tapp are the difference makers. Um, and we've created some. We, we've got a monster line, not only our uh, first team line, but our second team line, and even some guys coming in at a third team line making impacts. Um, 2019, 38 total sacks. That looking at right under three a game. We have 13 in two games so far. <laughs> That's good. Yep. Um, and Chris Coleman found the stat, and I, and I think it kind of shocked you when I told you earlier. So 2019 defensive end, seven and a half sacks. 2020. In two games, they're already at eight and a half sacks. It seems like every play against you, even some of their quick pass plays, it just seems like we were in their backfield the whole time. And somebody you were really excited with when he made this move, you know, you're going to hit him on a lot of other pieces. We heard Amari Barno twice today. Two sacks. Two, two sacks. sacks, buddy. And, and the yeah. one I really loved was uh, was late in the game. Good inside move, inside rip, and just got ate, ate the tackles lunch, got at the quarterback. I mean, I, and he, he later had one where he came off the edge and did the same thing. So he's showing that he's got some pass rush moves. Um, you know, I think going forward he's going to be used a lot in scenarios where he's not in that having to, you know, make a lot of reads. I think that's where he's still growing right now, where he has to read, run, read, pass, you know, figure out where he needs to be on a given play. But when he's given the job, go after the quarterback. Yeah. He's one of the best we have right now. So I've got, I've got no problem with seeing him on the field more. Um, hopefully he works on some of those, uh, those areas where he can figure out, you know, scheme wise and, and read wise what he needs to do. But, you know, when, when he's got one job, he, he takes care of business, man. Um, and, and then the second half in general, I mean, I think we did a still kept a really good job of getting pressure on um, on Bryce. Uh, we did, you know, the one thing I'm seeing, and, the, and I think the reason that we didn't do as many 
um, delay blitzes is I think, you know, we, we talked about it in terms of what Bryce does with the ball. When he sees pressure like that, that sometimes is enough. Um, when, when, when he feels it coming, he's getting rid of the ball. It's not always accurate. It's not always where he wants it to be. And we saw that consistently, man. We had areas, I think, you know, he probably missed a wide open man about four or five times. Yeah. Um, and, and just because he felt the pressure, um, you know, he had a couple guys that had some drops, especially I think Dion Jackson on one, one critical third down, um, threw a slant to him. He had, he had flexed out and they threw a slant to him. He had a drop. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the, those are the things that, that maybe were adjustments that we kind of planned and say, hey, let Bryce know that it's coming so it's already in his head before the snap that he's going to have to get rid of the ball quick. I think that, that actually makes sense because if – and you did mention that, that sometimes when he gets under pressure, he would just sling it, and, and he shouldn't. So maybe that did make sense why we didn't do the delayed blitzes um, this week. I'm also thinking, too, I'll go back to my other point. I think having the back half so depleted, like we just we, ha- we just have to attack. We can't get cute with it. We just yeah. have to attack. We have to force it so those guys can see where the ball is going so they can attack and use their natural instincts um, and everything. Um, I, I did notice some, Brian, and, and, it, and it got more pronounced as the game went along. I think it's just fatigue, but we were not as crisp tackling as we were last week. Yeah. And I think a fatigue, I think B first time kids out there. Cause we missed some run lanes, man, man, we missed at least I counted on my hand four or five tackles for loss. Um, if not, and then probably several one to two yard gains, some went for big gains. And that's why it was such a competitive second half is they popped a couple big plays on us and, um, definitely some things we can clean up. Yeah. But, um, I think for the young guys, though, I think that's good because now they've got them on tape to say, hey, listen, you guys are at a D1 level now. You've got to make a sound tackle. Not- and we, and we, I think we made some adjustments to that. I think they saw probably when they were making some halftime adjustments, you know, they've got some taller wideouts, um, especially Bobo. And I think I can't remember the other guy's name, but. You know, they're, they're taller wideouts, and I think they saw, hey, we can maybe take advantage of things outside against some of these inexperienced corners, and they started to do that a little bit, and fatigue started to set in, as you said. And some of the fatigue was just a couple times the defensive line not getting there and, and Bryce being able to throw on time. Um, you know, there was – receiver today and he's a six three guy so correct there were two big guys on the outside okay yeah and then you know we started to see them mix in uh mateo durant um in some running plays and he had he had a good good couple gashes where he was breaking a couple tackles as you were talking about there so definitely saw fatigue set in there a little bit and that's to be expected as thin as we were especially you know at the linebacker and and secondary level in particular so um I think that's just one of those things we're going to have to work through. Um, I think, did we also say that Dean Ferguson was not available for this game? We didn't. Um, Dean not available again. Hurts with the depth there at the, uh, at the linebacker. Somebody probably could play nickel, probably in a pinch could play strong safety as well. So, you know, Brian, as we start putting a wrap on this, and, and, and I can't remember who put it out there. It's somebody that, that follows both of us, follows the show, because it popped up in my Twitter feed. If I told you in the first two games we were going to have 44 players out, those players would include Hendon Hooker, Alan Tisdale, Divine Diablo, Jermaine Waller. I'm missing somebody from last week, I know, because there was <laughs> you know, some of the some of the young some of the wide receivers we were expecting to bet. Would you say we're two and zero, even playing in C State, playing Duke? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we maybe split that, but you know, all things considered, I, I feel really good about where we are. Um, you know, we had moments of of, of it, it was kind of a tale of two halves in a lot of ways. I mean, we played really tight on offense in the first half and played a little 
fatigued in, on defense in the second half. Um, overall, the game numbers weren't bad, um, but I think it just the flow of the game wasn't what we expected, and you know a couple of mistakes that we made kind of gave Duke some some easy scores or or, or kept uh, the score closer by us not being able to punch it in. So yeah. um, th- that that's really the big takeaway for me is that if we, if we can clean up some things and not you know, hurt ourselves. Um, I think that, that that's going to be good for us going forward. We talked about the, the muff punt that resulted in a touchdown for them. That was their only score in the entire first half. So um, if we can clean up those things, I think we're going to be good going forward, especially if we get fully healthy and are actually able to put our, you know, at least everybody being in the two deep on the starting, <laughs> in the starting lineup. I think that'd be, that'd be a nice start there. Well, uh, and yeah. <laughs> But I think what these first two games have done is it has told these young guys who had to step in at, at, at kind of a moment's notice and a pinch, you guys can play. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I you see young guys who don't get that opportunity. They go out and they're talented guys, but the, the, it's almost like nerves, like, I can I do this? You now have shown a bunch of young guys you can do this. You can do this at a certain level. You can do this at a level where your team can win football games. Don't forget that. Yeah. Because there may be a time later this year we need you in a pinch. And the more you compete, the more you're getting on that field. So, yep. you know, Brian, as we wrap it up, is there anything else we need to put a bow on tonight? Yeah, I think the one thing I want to talk about just before we wrap it up is um, the quarterback room and what we Ooh. think. What we think that's going to look like going into UNC, which is of of the matchups we have had so far, that's going to be the most complete team that we've played. Are you sure? I think so. I, mean, I, I think I think top to bottom, offense, defense, special teams, UNC is going to be the best team that we played at this point. They struggled mightily today. They did struggle mightily, but I think I think some of that was uh, I can write off to rust. Um, I wish we were have gotten that rust we didn't but with the the way Braxton Burmeister struggled in the passing game today and you know what, what we've kind of seen from two weeks of I'm not not he hasn't played bad but he's not as efficient with the ball as I would like to see well, well, so who, who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback for UNC for you oh, for, for the Hokies for UNC it, it, it should be Hendon Hooker and okay. And there's a my biggest reasons are is this with all these new weapons with Herbert with Blackshear with Fairs who was in the game tonight with working in Hodge with this offensive line revamped clearly protecting the passer better creating some big run lanes UNC has no tape whatsoever of what potentially we could do with Hendon. And I said it earlier, no knock on Braxton, but Hendon doesn't have one favorite or two favorite receivers. Hendon reads the play, reads the field, gets it to the person in the best position to make a play. And against UNC, they gave up a lot of passing yards today against BC. BC could not run the ball. We've, we've discussed that. They're struggling eight, 84 yards today. I think Hendon could light them up. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you feel that way. Do I think Braxton's going to get in on some plays? Yeah. But I think Hendon needs to be the one. I mean, I think all three of our quarterbacks should have packages designed just for their skills. And they may be used to more or lesser degree on a given week. Um, you know, I think if, if you have a – couple series where you throw Braxton out there against UNC just to mix it up, make them have to really honor the quarterback run, but still be able to pass the ball if you need to with some RPOs and things like that. I like doing that, but what I don't want to see is I don't want to see Braxton Burmeister out there as the starting quarterback for the whole game. I want Hendon Hooker out there. Um, I think just his command of the offense and his ability to – as you said, read the read the field, make the right play, and I just 
his temperament is exactly what you want at quarterback. And I think sometimes Braxton lets a negative play impact a play later in the passing game in particular. So um, that's not the case with Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is a guy that plays every play on its own, lets it come to him, commands the huddle well, and has shown that when the lights are on, he can make plays. And whatever we lose in the running game at the quarterback position by having Hendon Hooker as a starter, I'm okay with, especially with what we have with Khalil Herbert and Raheem Blackshear running the rock. Well, or the increase versus the decrease. Um, do you completely lose your quarterback running game with Hendon? No, you don't. No. But the exponential gain, yeah, the passing game. It, it goes through the roof, and and when that starts happening, you saw the lanes today with stack boxes. You imagine the first six, seven, eight passes, and Hendon's eight for eight, just lighting them up all over the place. And that defense has to say, okay, linebackers need to be a little bit further off, safeties need to be fifteen yards off the line. The amount of space for Herbert last year, yep, it's it's huge, man. Um. We're talking back-to-back 300-yard rushing games. There could be a 400-burger in the future. So, yeah. We're not knocking Braxton Burmeister, but we're definitely Team Hooker here. We are Team Hooker here. (laughs) We're Team Hooker. Don't let our wives hear that, man. We'll be in trouble for like a month. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, Brian, if there is nothing else, and 2 o'clock in the morning – That's going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast with my partner, Brian Siegler, Curtis Wilson. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and newly added Amazon Music Podcast. We're moving up in the world. Check out our buddy Jason Long, Spotify, Apple Music. And as always, let's go. Okies.